0: four days into the transit, you can actually hit a pause button and then recharge that refrigerant to extend the life of that of that container.
1: Wow. This is the UPS Supply Chain Solutions Podcast. We help you become a more informed and educated supply chain professional so you can move the world forward by delivering what matters.
2: Welcome to the UPS Supply Chain Solutions Podcast. I'm Alex Fuller.
1: And I'm Anna Grant.
2: And today's episode, we're diving into healthcare logistics innovation.
1: Yeah, that's a it's a really interesting topic. I think people, if you work in healthcare or don't work in healthcare, in the last couple of years, this has been in the news. So it's been in front of everybody. So it, it's something that I'm personally interested to learn about. And we will learn a lot from our guests today. But before we go into that, Alex... What comes to your mind when you think about healthcare?
2: Well, uh, uh, expensive is the first word. But that's, <laughs> no, uh, healthcare it, it touches everyone's lives, and and I think it's becoming more and more of a priority. When I think in the supply chain space, I also think the innovation in healthcare also bleeds over to other industries. So I think that's yeah. that's why this episode I think is important for. Obviously, if you're in healthcare logistics, but even tertiary or, or unrelated companies, this is—it's great to know what's going on here because that can apply to my business as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think especially after the the pandemic years, which obviously we're all tired of hearing about, but the, it kind of spurred innovation in the healthcare industry. And there's a lot of long-lasting solutions, I'm sure that that came out of that that we'll hear about today. But t- thinking about cold chain, uh, such an important innovation that was even advanced during this time and can be used for the years to come. So I'm excited to learn about it.
2: I know our guests are going to tell us a lot. My ignorant understanding before talking to them is that there was a lot of stuff developed and kind of got a, a douse of gasoline on the fire that jump-started it. Mm-hmm. And now there's so many more capabilities that, that touch you know lots of different things. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. So who, Anna, who do we have today?
1: So today we actually are bringing on a couple of speakers, experts at UPS. So we have uh, Tim Fosnow and Joey Hansen, and they are senior directors at UPS Supply Chain Solutions, working on creating solutions across different modes of transportation for shipments in the healthcare industry. So I'm really excited to talk to them and learn about what we should be on the lookout for and what's going on in, in healthcare logistics.
2: Great. Let's bring them on.
1: Before we bring on our guest, I want to make a quick pitch for the UPS Forwarding Hub. You can subscribe to email updates and potential discounts off your air and ocean freight shipments by going to ups.com slash scspodcast. That's a unique link that can get you access to discounts that you can't get anywhere else. So go check out ups.com slash scspodcast to subscribe and learn more. And with that, let's bring on our guest. Joey and Tim, excited to have you on the UPS Supply Chain Solutions podcast. Welcome.
0: Well, thank you thank for having you. us. Yeah, for sure.
2: Awesome. So today we're talking about what's new in healthcare. What's what's the innovation? Uh, but before I jump into the topic, I want to hear a little bit about both of you. So, what's your career been like? What's what's your background and what brought you to your current role? And so, I am gonna I am gonna ask Tim first, and then after that, Joey. I'd love to hear both of you. What's what's your journey to to bring us with us today?
0: Well, Alex, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been a fun journey. So I started uh, out of college in a sales environment uh, in the freight forwarding business out of uh, graduated Ball State University and moved to Miami, Florida, worked in Miami for about 12 years uh, in sales, sales management, and then uh, moved into operations in New York, Michigan, and been in Atlanta since 2000. So about 23 years in Atlanta. Last 10 years specifically in healthcare freight forwarding. Wow. So oh, wonderful. Been a great journey.
2: Yeah. Full, full deck of cards you're ready to pull out today. So Absolutely. I'm excited.
3: Yep. Awesome. Joey. So a l- little bit different journey. Went to Georgia Southern, graduated from there, started at a trucking company, spent about nine, 10 years there, and then found my way to UPS. Started out on the transportation side, domestic transportation side at UPS did a, a consulting stint for about a year and then moved into freight forwarding and really have been there ever since been with the the healthcare team really since we started up healthcare probably about 13 years ago have just moved into my new role oh that's great now, so working in
2: healthcare logistics i'd say you probably meet most of the healthcare players out there or at least know about them and see kind of what they're what they're doing day to day and have uh, a good good perspective to kind of bring on what's what the state of healthcare logistics are
0: yeah, I would say absolutely. Yeah. The, the advantage that Joey and I do in uh, and, and working with UPS in the healthcare space is really the, uh, the global presence and getting mm-hmm. to see it from a, from a global, uh, especially during the pandemic, but uh, really just seeing it from a global perspective, uh, the, the competitors, those that we work with in the logistics, healthcare logistics space, and uh, just fantastic to be able to learn, uh, be a part of that, and to be a subject leader.
2: Great. Now, thank you so much.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like you both have had experience outside of the healthcare industry and logistics and, and freight forwarding in general. So I think we can kick it off kind of by defining as not all of our listeners necessarily work in the healthcare industry, but there might be things that they can get out of this session as well. So how is healthcare logistics and forwarding different than other products, logistics or other industries?
3: So, Anna, really, I would say the integrity of the supply chain, including the product contents, really that's what makes makes healthcare different. Uh, You've got medical devices, for example— are sterilized and you know huge investments in time and money go into that and for those products uh, if they arrive and the boxes are damaged or there's blemishes to those it puts the uh, integrity of that product into question right and they can't be used you know just the handling of the products is a lot different for healthcare. you've got temperature control that's involved for for a lot of the shipments Uh, all the medications that are out there require temperature control or the vaccines that, that we've handled for the pandemic Uh, And and there's tight controls around that, and those temperatures have to be maintained. If they're not maintained, then obviously the product is no good and and, and the patient suffers on the back end. You know, additionally, the the chain of custody, that has to be maintained due to regulatory compliance. If that's not maintained, then again, there's uh, human consumption issues and the product can't be used. So it feels like it's everything important to a normal shipment, but there's
2: just added layers. You know, I don't want my... You know, box of sneakers showing at my house damaged. You know, that's unfortunate. But medical device worth hundreds of thousands, that gets damaged and there's not a secure chain of custody. That, that's a big problem.
3: A- absolutely. You know, you may have a patient in the hospital waiting on a stent, for example, and you, you're shipping that stent to the hospital and you've got a patient waiting for, for surgery and that device gets damaged and all of a sudden that surgery has to be canceled, oh, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. We talk a lot about delivering what matters, but this like is truly delivering what matters.
2: So I know logistics, healthcare, or healthcare logistics have made leaps and bounds in the last few years, and, and even in the last decade or so. How has that kind of bled over the, to other industries? How has innovations in healthcare logistics benefited benefited logistics overall, other products?
3: I would say contingency planning, backup plans, what if scenarios. You know, we ran into a lot of that with the, with the pandemic, with the vaccines coming out, very cold temperatures that we weren't accustomed to shipping, a lot of dry ice. Trying to formulate the backup plans, different scenarios, really to cover all the what ifs with those products, right?
2: And that's super useful in that because it's not just pandemics, but it's, you know, natural disasters and there's strikes Mm -hmm. and all that stuff where having that nimbleness, having that uh, ability to route things differently or risk assessments, all that, it plays into every supply chain. I think you have that resilience.
3: And I would say the end-to-end business unit alliances as well. You know, really the small package coming together from UPS, warehousing distribution, you know, global freight forwarding, obviously for both air and ocean, uh, ground brokerage, really all working together, all playing together to get those products distributed and out to, uh, to clients. Probably more end-to-end collaboration, uh, I would say, on the healthcare side than, than maybe outside of healthcare that, that we haven't seen in the past.
1: I'm wondering your take on on that, because it obviously is a very complex process to get all of those players together and make it really work in a way that is reliable uh, in terms of the quality of the products, maintaining the quality of, of the products, and especially in difficult circumstances like cold chain. Are there a lot of providers out there that are able to do that? Or what are some questions that maybe a supply chain professional listening to this should take into account when trying to find a provider who can support in that?
0: Well, I, I would say, uh, Anna, that it's a question uh, that the pandemic kind of forced to the forefront, right? Having qualified vendors relationships uh, either within our, our company or third-party vendors that you would go to that have quality programs that are built, that uh, have invested both into the intellectual side of the business but also to the infrastructure side, similar to what UPS has done through the time period, right? And I think when you look at as a logistics professional looking at your supply chain, whether it's healthcare or non-healthcare, being able to ensure that they've invested in that infrastructure, what is the intellectual depth and capital? Do they have data that can, can prove the point that is there is there a key performance indicators, is there a historical data set? that would prove that they walk the talk, what kind of certifications uh, that are third party or trade certifications by IATA or other companies are out there and, and that they've invested the time and effort to, to get qualified as a, as a 3PL or a logistics provider. All, all those are, are some basic things that anybody in the supply chain should be looking at and trying to, to unpack or uncover the depth of that within their, their 3PL opportunities.
2: Yeah, I I like the point you bring up of not only investing in the physical infrastructure but also the intellectual infrastructure. Absolutely. Where, you know, I hey, I got I got some freezers, I got some chilled temperature control cargo containers, but if I don't know how to use them or how to react to, you know, slight disturbances or whatever, it doesn't matter what infrastructure you have; you kind of need to know how to to navigate that. I, I assume
0: still a people business, folks. I mean, when right. you talk about logistics, it still requires folks to 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 function with the infrastructure. When when Joey was talking about the the route risk assessments, uh, developing those contingency plans and the nimbleness, all that's tied to the human element, to the intellectual element, and having a depth there—not just somebody that says they have it, but do they have proven experience? Have they have they seen it globally? pandemic really forced that to the forefront when you realize that there were so many patient groups globally that were underserved historically intellectually and infrastructure and it forced it to the forefront really
1: yeah yeah and we all know anyone working in a global company or in uh you know a global industry you know it's not always easy to pull the right people together right if especially if you're looking at a complex solution the types that you're working at you you also have to have that network within your company and with, within your vendors and partners to be able to react. So, I'm sure that's something else that
2: is really important. It is yeah. very important. So, I I had a friend, a good friend of mine that works for, you know, a large hospital chain, so healthcare logistics group, he's, he's, the logistics within this hospital chain. He showed me a tour of the facility. It was a lot of fun, but he he made a few comments like, "Hey, some of the healthcare supply chains are are behind retail or other industries by a lot. He you know, he was talking about barcodes for certain things where we're kinda that's a new thing. We got barcodes now, even though Walmart's had them for decades and decades. So what in what ways, you know, is that true that healthcare logistics can be behind other industries in some places or, or are there also places where it's maybe ahead?
0: Well it's it's an interesting question. Again, from a hospital perspective First and foremost, uh, for any of us that have had any uh, and, uh, opportunity to, to, to be in a hospital, uh, you know, we're thankful that the quality of care and, and, the, and the level of expertise our hospitals provide us. So from a healthcare perspective, uh, you know, hats off to those folks. But historically, hospitals are standalone. And you think about the complexity of what they're purchasing from latex lover, uh, gloves to Band-Aids to personal gene therapy, that cell gene therapy that comes in nitro, uh, you know, the 180, minus 180 degrees Celsius, right, and endures. Uh, just the complexity and the broad path of that. And, and so you've seen hospitals go to more of a healthcare system where they're centralizing the procurement function. And I think that's the movement that probably your friend refers to. Retail has historically been there; it's a low-margin business, uh, really built around commodities. Yeah. And a much narrow path of commodities. You know, lessons can be learned from that, and I think the hospitals have moved towards that. When you talk about uh, really hospital systems and and uh, and that healthcare network.
2: Yeah, no, that, yeah. that's interesting. And in that there's wait, there's cross shares between between both industries of how do we improve retail and how do we improve healthcare? They have learned from each other.
0: Yeah. I think even the course of what we're trying to accomplish today is to share some of the lessons that came out of, out of a global pandemic that can apply to any industry, not just healthcare, not just the vaccines or our cold chain, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, I would assume right off the bat that the challenges in the healthcare industry might be very different than the challenges in the retail industry. So I was wondering, Tim, if you could kind of shed some light on what are the biggest challenges right now, and how is innovation addressing them?
0: Well, that's a that's Annie. You, you know, question. you you were supposed to ask Joey that hard question. I <laughs> I got the easy ones here, right? Um, I, I I think one of the the larger challenges that is facing the healthcare logistics front really is built around the, go back to the intellectual capital piece of it, having the depth of people that understand the nuances of of cold chain uh, and general cargo med device, that understand the requirements involved with that, uh, that are connected to a global network to be able to manage that. And and they're two totally different supply chains. And then really having, uh, I'll I'll say, data platforms uh, that would help collect the historical data, to be able to lean forward into risk mitigation, mm-hmm. route planning, uh, nimbleness. That, that all comes out of, out of data, data sets, historical lessons learned, as we talked about even with the hospital sets, and being able to lean forward into that, to project that forward, not waiting for the next pandemic to force us to throw gasoline on the fire.
1: Right. I mean, data is important in really anything you do in the supply chain, but I'm sure in this case because it it is vital and essential that you don't have those supply chain bottlenecks. So being able to to have that visibility, and then probably the the knowledge of using that data to forecast or kind of address those issues preemptively rather than reactively. A-
0: absolutely. i I think the other big innovation set coming into this space, is the use of new materials. So I'll say phase change material. Uh, Moving away from historical ways that we would handle cold chain into phase change, which really reduces the risk from an intervention viewpoint. It's much easier to protect the products as it goes through into in supply chain. Uh, The recovery intervention is much easier, a little more expensive on the front side. But once that investment's there, it offers companies a tremendous amount of of, um, protection and security and And what is phase
1: change? That was going
0: to be my question. yeah, <laughs> phase change, when we talk about cold chain, there is some form of refrigerant is required or some way to keep it cool. So if we talk about active containers, it's really a flying refrigerator. Uh, if we talk about phase change material, it's it's a chemical based that gets conditioned to the proper temperature for that particular pharma product, and then it puts it's put into a container. But the advantage with phase change is that you can, can recharge it. You can If you put it in its proper, if it's supposed to move at 5C temperature, for example, and you put it into a 5C cooler four days into the transit, you can actually hit a pause button and then recharge that refrigerant to extend the life of that, of that container. Oh, wow. Jo- Joey and I had an example of, of a minus 20 frozen product uh, that was at least 10 days in transit during the pandemic, but because it was stored properly, in flight schedules and and cancellations due to the pandemic but but we were able to extend that minus 20 frozen product for over 10 days so twice the average wow because that's it was stored because it was stored properly in in transit
2: wow that's fan- and that's uh not not that you want to promise 10 days all the time but uh but it really opens up your opportunities that have that capability.
0: And, and as Joey mentioned earlier, the whole risk mitigation, intervention, uh, that, that protection is really what we're talking about there. Extending that 5 to 10, not, not by plan, but out of intervention, contingency, having the right equipment to be able to manage that or the right refrigerant for sure.
2: So I guess building on that, I'm sure there's just a huge amount of investment going into healthcare. In general, but healthcare logistics, how is that, you know, what attention is that, is different groups within healthcare logistics getting and, and where's that going? Where's, where is that investment going toward?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Tim hit on it with the uh, really de-risking the supply chain, right? The different packaging that's available out there, the phase change material, even new active containers coming on the marketplace, right? Different size containers uh, coming out, really more modern technology in there. The ability to to measure that temperature while in transit, the ability to measure shock, light, vibration, you know, e- even if, if there's product in that container or if the container's empty, all, all those sort of things really in, in real time. You know, a lot of investments there, Uh, shorter clinical trial approval cycles. We're seeing that with products really coming to market a whole lot faster than we saw prior to the pandemic. You know, vaccines being developed really in record time and and then supply chains having to catch up with that and and invest to to, to be able to manage and handle those vaccines. Freezer farms being built, dry ice farms that that were able to produce, for example, in Louisville and other places around the world to, to meet the requirements of those shipments. And then I think the, uh, the move uh, to virtual home-based healthcare is probably the last. We're really starting to see more and more of that. Um, where really, the hospital of the future may not be a physical space, right? It may be someone's living room or someone's kitchen, right, where you're shipping products there and taking samples and then shipping them back to labs to, for, for, for patients. So so probably not an in-home knee
2: replacement, but, but uh, a lot of diagnostics before <laughs> that. No, absolutely.
0: Although I'd like to see the in-home knee replacement, (laughs) but that that maybe maybe someday,
2: maybe someday they'll send you the send you the the robot. Robotics, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, that I mean I think that's exciting. And I guess the question is: Did all this get built just to handle the pandemic or the next pandemic, or is it is there other uses that are? I mean, is it being used today? Do, Do we do we build it just as a contingency, or is it in full use?
3: Yeah, I think it's in full use. I think it's really helped spur and and create a lot of innovation, a lot of growth in the cold chain supply chain. Um, You know, certainly other products can be used for that. And I think we we learned a lot from that. I think with some of the different tools that are out there, some of the different containers that are out there, again, advances really in, in, in all those that we're starting to see out there with the new containers hitting the marketplace um, you know, the, the ability for, for different packaging or maybe different handling for different products to be able to move those through the supply chain faster, more nimble, really de risk the, the supply chain. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it sounds like there is really a lot of in- innovation going on and stuff that potentially could be used for other industries too. So, I was wondering if you have any insight into how some other industries might benefit from these solutions and maybe what industries should be on the lookout for some of this stuff.
0: I, I think, Anna, from, from my view, we touched on it earlier with one of the questions you brought up. And, and uh, you know, what, if you're looking for a supply chain logistics partner, what were some of those key things that you look for? Mm-hmm. And how well do they have the infrastructure and intellectual capital, the quality management system that's built around it? Do they have tools and data to support what they say they can do for you? And quite frankly, uh, whether you're shipping you know, automotive parts, whether you're shipping aeronautical parts, or whether you're a, a small or medium-sized pharma company that's trying to break into the business, uh, those are all important, right? That transaction, that product, that, that business transaction is important to those organizations. And the lessons that have been applied in these larger multinational Organizations can be driven down into the small and medium-sized companies. From a healthcare perspective, for us, you know, we care the same for the small entrepreneurial pharma company or healthcare company as much as we do the large multinational. They get the same level of quality, the same oversights. Call it, you know, the same DNA to, to that transaction, yeah. and that can apply to to really all industries. I mean, our healthcare is built on the back of our forwarding network.
2: So, so I'm going to ask the drone question. I know, I know you're expecting it, but you know, I, have heard drones being used in different, different ways. So what, how are drones and other autonomous vehicles being used for medical deliveries currently? And uh, what, what's kind of the short term horizon of where it could go?
3: So, with drones, obviously on the forwarding side, we're, we're probably not using too many of those right now, right? But uh, I think during the pandemic, we saw drones being used quite a bit to really deliver vaccines to some of the re- more remote places in the world. That's really where we're using uh, where drones are being used today, really more for the, the small parcel side. But uh, but outside of drones, there's, there's like zip line and things like that as well, where. You know, products can be sent, you know, straight from point to point and, and, and a lot of technology going in there. Again, smaller shipments, not necessarily large pallet size shipments to uh, reach those more challenging points in the world. That's really where, where we're seeing, you know, drones and other technologies being developed and, and being used.
2: Yeah, it, it's exciting because it's the importance of those shipments make it, make it worth it. You know, obviously as autonomous systems and vehicles and drones become more inexpensive, then you can start doing more general cargo. But yeah, the they're kind of the leading edge of what can be used.
0: Yeah. And Alex, we've seen, we've seen the application probably in a more practical sense today on larger healthcare campuses, university campuses, where you have a fairly large footprint and you can centralize the collection and distribution of that within campus deliveries. And again, it's a safer environment. You don't have somebody in their backyard trying to shoot them down being in the South, we have to be careful of that, uh, but it but it certainly provides uh, a better avenue and probably more practical use of the drones uh, within our space.
1: Yeah, I think I'm always interested in like that kind of technology that seems a little bit futuristic, but it will be a while until you can ship pallets across the world with a drone, right? That's probably not the the practical application. It's coming of it. someday,
2: <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, what about visibility in software? What's the latest innovations with that in healthcare logistics? And again, where do you see that going?
3: Yeah, so we continue to see, I think, advancements with the visibility. Something certainly that's important to all the customers out there. Something that they're looking for more of. So, there's real time tracking devices that certainly can be applied to a pallet. Again, measure light, shock, vibration, anything that's out there, as well as a lot of the newer containers on the marketplace. They have that capability and that visibility to do the same type thing. So, you know, we're seeing a lot more of the, the real time monitoring that that is available for all shipments and that, that customers are looking for and certainly can be applied.
0: We're actually using within a UPS World a tracking device that provides all those things that Joey's referred to earlier, and it looks like a business card. And once it goes, to destination. The people drop it into a return, either mail slot or some type of, of low-cost return system, and it's a reusable technology that provides global uh, visibility 24-7. And so, so we see technology getting smaller, smarter, cheaper, easier to use, yeah. uh, and, and the debate's always single-use versus return logistics and what's involved in that. Uh, but it's it's pretty amazing to see it.
3: Yeah, and I think the single use is really where things are going. Right, with, with tapes and things of that sort, it'll have the same technology and that same capabilities, but it be just a piece of tape where you don't have all the return logistics and the costs even associated with that. So exciting. Yeah, I,
0: I think even as you, Anna, you you talked earlier about how does this relate to some other supply chains or other industries and any company, any industry out there that has high value, high risk may not be on every product, may not be every transaction, but a need for certain pieces of their business to have that kind of visibility and, and the ability to intervene when necessary yeah. uh, is so important. And and we see that application being applied across many industries.
1: Definitely. Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely industry agnostic that everybody needs to yep. have visibility to their shipments and be able to track as near real time as possible.
2: So as we kind of come to a close, what I guess for each of you, what's something that you're excited about? What what innovation in the market do you see, and it's it still gets still gets your heart racing? Like, hey, this is this is really cool. This is what's this is what's coming
0: for me. It, I wouldn't go as far, Alex, is saying my heart gets racing, with it. <laughs> but I'll use an analogy, a personal analogy here. You know, Joey mentioned stints earlier, so I, I had to have three stints a couple of years ago. And what was interesting is my mother, 25 years ago, had open heart surgery. 25 years later, you know, I had a non-invasive procedure done in twenty minutes that resolve the same issue in in a in a better way, right? Wow. And so That's for amazing. for me, what is exciting to see personal gene therapy, the way that they're making medicines today, healthcare centric, that equips the medicines and the treatment to be most effective based upon our own personal DNA. Wow. And then doing that, as Joey mentioned, in a home healthcare environment. So those advances from open heart surgery to stents to what it might be in the next twenty years is amazing to me. And, and returning a quality of life and healthy, helping us, the four of us and others, ha, and enjoy the the years that we have and, and the longevity of that, and and just the way it's becoming more practical, yeah, more common day, and that's pretty exciting to see that.
2: Yeah, that doesn't keep your heart racing, but it keeps it going. So. It does, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
3: What about you, Joey? I think that just the the speed and the cadence that we see things changing, right? The new technologies that are that are coming out that are available, I think those things are exciting. Um, certainly shipment visibility, right? The technology there. And I think getting away from these larger cell phone type devices to, to smaller devices, as Tim talked about, uh, even getting down to that mesh tape and, and those sort of things. I think to make that more practical, more cost effective for, for more customers, that really gets, gets me excited and uh, looking forward to that. Ah, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, that is really cool. Well, I have certainly learned a lot from both of you today. Um, And since you are very experienced in supply chains in general, I would like to kind of end today with any last words of advice to supply chain professionals out there. And I'd love to hear that from both of you.
0: Mine's pretty simple. As someone that's been 40 plus years in the business, network. Be a thought leader. Push the comfort zone and sometimes doing podcasts, sometimes going to seminars or going to trade shows and being a thought leader and and presenting the expertise. You know, UPS is a great training platform. It's like going to work and getting your your doctorate every single day and being able to share the experiences that we get paid to do and to network with others and share those experiences just outstanding. So I I encourage others in our space, get out, network, learn from others, be a part of them, do life with them, uh, but push that comfort zone for sure.
1: I like that.
3: Yeah, and I, I really echo what Tim said, right? It's all about networking, getting out there, get, talking to other providers and uh, other folks and seeing what they're doing out there in the field, learning about new technology. It, it's changing you know, on a daily basis almost and just learning about new containers, new ways of shipping your product, new ways of doing things. And, and you're going to do that through collaborating, working with others. So, Tim and Joey, thank you so much.
2: I've, I've learned a lot. It's been great. Now, if, if folks want to learn more, especially healthcare logistics-wise, what's the best way to get in touch with you or your team?
3: Sure. So, folks can reach out to me through either LinkedIn or go out to ups.com backslash supply chain and uh, you can get in touch with us through there. Great. Thank you so much.
1: All right, that was Tim and Joey. Uh, I thought that was a great conversation. I, I definitely learned a lot about healthcare logistics. And uh, I just think it's so fascinating how their day-to-day work is moving medical devices, kind of like a life or death type situation, right? It's vital stuff that needs to get there on time and intact. In so they just talk about it like it's their day-to-day, which it is, but I just find it so fascinating.
2: Yeah, and, and the the stakes are higher, I think, in, in the industry. Uh, I know there's a saying within UPS of, Hey, it's, it's not a package. It's a patient. Yeah. Um, I know a lot other industries it's, Hey, it's not a package. It's just a customer and you know, customers are important, but when, when it's a patient on the line and when life's on the line, uh, suddenly you have to have all your ducks in a row. And, uh, and Absolutely. when you're dealing with complex commodities and need, need to stay cold, that kind of thing, secure chain of custody, those kind of things, it's just, there's so many more high stakes that you got to get right. And I think that's admirable that when you're able to do that, but also that, you know, it's a good example for other industries as they move forward of, hey, there's best practices from from healthcare.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought in terms of innovation, the things that they shared, like some of it is super complicated, high tech stuff like temperature controlled shipping. But then some of it is very, I mean, high tech again, but very practical, everyday application like tracking technology. They talked about having piece of tape that can track your shipment from throughout the whole entire supply chain. Yeah, and that's really exciting. That is super exciting.
2: And, and it's even not working in healthcare. It, it, I, as a patient myself, you know, we all experience healthcare, and so it's it's interesting to see where the state of the industry is going. And having your home as a hospital in the future, it's, yeah, that's, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. And in the end, all of us can relate to that being patients, occasionally ourselves. You want to make sure that you can rely on obviously the, the healthcare care provider, but also the equipment they're using and the medication you're receiving and all of that that it has been taken care of throughout the whole transportation process. I just think it's interesting to hear how seriously that is being taken and uh, how much that's being invested into
2: Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out ups.com slash podcast. That's the UPS Forwarding Hub, where you can subscribe to email updates and book air and ocean freight shipments with discounts you can't get anywhere else. So again, that's ups.com slash scspodcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice. Recipient has sole responsibility for determining the usability of any information provided herein.